from APM American Public Media. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. Black males who drop out of high school have a 70 percent chance of going to prison by the time they're in their mid-30s. For black male high school graduates, that number is cut by more than half to about 30 percent. That's according to data from a 2004 study on race and class inequality in the United States prison system. In response to numbers like these, the Minneapolis Public School District created an Office of Black Male Student Achievement earlier this year. One goal of the office is to help young African-American men graduate from high school in greater numbers. It's one of the first initiatives of its kind in the country. On the podcast this week, we're bringing you excerpts from a conversation with office director Michael Walker and Minnesota Public Radio host Tom Cran. I want to start out with a pretty basic question, and why does Minneapolis, the Minneapolis School District, need this office? Well, that's a great question, and and the need is, is there. When we look at our data, it shows why the need is uh, for the Office of Black Male Student Achievement. We know that um, when we look at our academic success indicators, our young men are either at the lowest or near the lowest part of that, and so we need to change that for our young men. Any indication, if, if there are one or two things that are causing that, what would they be? Oh, my goodness. Major things. Major things. Yeah. I don't know if there's one or two major things. There's a whole host of things that are uh, causing that that can be the issue around that. And as I started the office, I went out and did some listening sessions to the young men. And so they gave me a lot of information to help me move forward in this office. And what did you hear from them about what's causing this? Yeah, uh, several several different things, uh, several different themes came, came out. Uh, one is that they didn't feel that... Um, the um, educators in the school systems would give them second chances, so to speak. So if they had an issue in class, they were, you know, singled out right away and sent out for a referral or out of class time. So they felt like basically first offense, they got sent out of class and they thought that other groups had more chances than they did in order to stay in class. That's one issue. Uh, The other uh, concern that they said is uh, one student basically said that no matter where we go, we're looked at as monsters. And he told a story to me about how it was, uh, and this is not necessarily directly in school, but just leaving the community, they're going to, going home from school one day, and we have the uh, Minneapolis Public Schools have the Metro Transit passes, bus passes that they take, and so they're going on a city bus. And they were at the bus stop, him and a couple of his other friends, and a person stepped up and walked out of the bus shelter as they approached. And so they were kind of saying, well, why did that person get up and leave when we approached the scene? And he said, no matter where we go, we looked at as monsters. So no one wanted to engage and interact with them. They left that area because those young people came into that space. So they felt that they can sense that people are looking at them in that way, in a negative manner. This is a big task, and there have been a lot of resources and certainly a lot of attention, right, in the media and public policy about closing the achievement gap in general. It's challenged school administrators for years, especially here in the state of Minnesota and in Minneapolis. Uh, so what items, you're on the job six months now, what's at the top of your agenda to actually do this? Oh, six months. You're exactly right. And as I'll be the first to say, I don't have all the answers. And I know it's going to take an entire community and city effort in order to change what's going on with our young people right now, currently. So there are some big buckets that I want to uh, focus on. One of those buckets is professional development for our educators. And when I talk about professional development for my educators, I'm talking about creating a system or a, a sense in them that talks about our beliefs and our implicit biases. How do we check our beliefs and our implicit biases when we're coming to work, working with our young people? 
Um, we have to believe that our young people can be successful. And in order to do that, we have to check what our own beliefs are. And so that's one of the things I want to focus on is doing some uh, professional development for our educators. And, and are you saying some of your educators, some of your teachers don't believe uh, that these young men can be successful? I'm not necessarily saying that, but sometimes the young men feel that the um, educators don't believe that they can be successful. And so what I want to make sure is that we provide training so that we can show the students that we do believe what are some of those tools, what are some of those gifts that we can give and persuade students that, hey, we do believe that you can be successful. This is how we're going to operate. This is how we're going to work in our inside our classrooms. So it's more of a collaborative effort. The other bucket is around um, family engagement. So making sure that we authentically connect with our families and uh, parents in the community. And so those are doing some things outside of the box that we weren't traditionally doing. Um, in Minneapolis public schools, you know, we have parent-teacher conferences and we expect parents to come always come to our site and to our spaces. Maybe we do some things where we're out in the community and doing different events to that nature to get parents to come out and trust what's going on in Minneapolis public schools right now. So we have to do some things a little differently. More engagement from families and parents as well? Yes, for sure. Yeah. yeah. How will you measure the success of, of this plan and your office? Well, first I want to just make sure we start off saying that this office was just created and the situation that we're in didn't happen overnight, so it's not going to be changed overnight. So we have to manage expectations of myself first and foremost, but also for the community and also the school system. So to make sure that we understand it's going to take time to get to where we can show some growth and some uh, difference in what's, what's happening. But what we want to do is uh, measure our office by graduation rates, uh, students taking advanced coursework, we also want to look at our disproportionality of uh, behavior, so that's suspension and referrals, basically out-of-school class time. And then we want to um, focus on attendance, making sure our students are in class. And we know if they're in class, they have a better opportunity of learning the material to be able to perform. And how are you doing that? Well, Let's talk about that picture, the, the getting kids to class. Well, one key to that is with our disproportionality, we know that our black males are at the top of that list as, you know, as well as being the ones referred and suspended out of class. And so as we're doing restorative practices with keeping our students in class, that will change the attendance of our students, which will then change how they're performing in the classroom. So it's going to be some different pieces all coming together to make this work. There might be people listening uh, who say, well, if kids are, are misbehaving, whatever way they are in class, there should be some um, suspension. There should be some consequences. But it seems the thinking is changing there that uh, if there is too much suspension and the kids aren't in class, that it's, it's actually counterproductive. It's not that we're saying students should not receive consequences for their actions but there's other ways of doing that without sending them home and making them miss school, right? We know the most important place is for them to be in our classroom. So how can we as adults find restorative measures in order to keep our students in our schools, but also let them understand that what they're doing is not appropriate? And so that's what we're working on and trying to figure out and develop for our students and staff. Where else in the country is there an office like yours that's focusing on black male achievement? Do you have a model here, a precedent? Yeah, actually, uh, Oakland, California has the uh, first office, it's, and theirs is uh, focused on African-American male initiative. And so they've been up and running for about four years, I want to say. And I've had a couple conversations with the uh, feller out there that's uh, working in the office, Christopher Chapman. And so he's been great help so far. And what have they seen there in Oakland? They've seen some growth. They've seen some growth. But again, it's been over a period of time. They've actually been in it for four years. And I don't want to um, try to speak their data, but I know it took some time. But they have had seen some uh, increases in their data as far as uh, graduation and um, standardized test uh, performance. So they have seen that. But again, they've been at it for four years and it took time to get to that level. 
certainly since you've taken over this job, uh, issues in the news have been racially charged. Uh, the issue of policing and community relations, uh, young black lives. What sorts of conversations have you had with the broader culture going on here in Minneapolis? There have been certainly demonstrations and attention and, and Ferguson and, and Staten Island, all of that. Um, what sort of conversations have you been having with the young men with that as a background? Well, as the first verdict came out with the uh, Ferguson situation, we had some students in some of our sites that did some demonstrations, right? They did some protests, some sit-ins and whatnot. And so I was out at a couple of the sites and I talked to the young people and we had great conversations, great discussions, and they want to voice their opinion. They want to show that their lives mattered, right? And they wanted to be heard. And so they did their demonstrations. But then what I got to talking to them about is, what are you going to do from here? You know, it's one thing to demonstrate, but now how do we make real change in the system? And so we start talking about how education plays a role into that. If we want to see real change, we have to become the mayors. We have to become the police officers. We have to become the councilmen so that when we're making laws and policies that we're at the table voicing our opinions and showing that, hey, this is important to us. And how do we make sure that these things don't happen again? What do you see are the biggest obstacles for young black men to achieve in the Minneapolis public schools? Well, I don't like to talk from my perspective, so to speak. Uh, so from the, from the perspective of your, of your students? Perspective of yeah. my students, yeah. They are saying that they would like to feel supported. You know, they want to know their own history. They want to know about themselves and how they factor into the big puzzle, right? They want to make sure that people support them, that people believe in them. And so that's kind of what their aspects are. That's what their hopes and dreams are, is about making sure that they have the best opportunities and people are supporting what they're um, working on. When it comes to obstacles, uh, as the, the young people see it and as you see it, too, in your work, do you think the obstacles come from within the community that these young men are living in, or do they come from the greater community at large, from without? I mean, I think it's a both it's a both. There's things that are happening inside the community that needs to uh, do better, need to be better. But there's also things that are outside the community that are impacting the lives of our young people as well. You know, we can talk about the unemployment rate. We can talk about the housing rate. We can talk about, you know, all those things. Even these social perceptions in. you were talking right. about. All yeah. those things yeah. factor in into play. And so we have to understand that they are paying attention, they're watching TV, they're reading the newspaper, they're seeing all these different images or statements about who they are as young men. That was Michael Walker, director of the Minneapolis Public Schools' new Office of Black Male Student Achievement. He was speaking with Minnesota Public Radio's Tom Cran. You can read more about Michael Walker's work at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. While you're there, find more podcasts about issues in K-12 education and higher ed, and browse through the archive of more than 100 documentary projects. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. We are on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, Lumina Foundation, and the Spencer Foundation. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.